Welcome to the About Her podcast. I'm your host, Abigail O'Neill. Today, I will be chatting with my friend, Courtney Moore. Courtney is the founder and president of Women in Work, an organization that exists to see women confidently step into their God-given calling and to view their work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. The mission of Women in Work is to inspire women like you and I through conversation and biblical content to honor God, to image Him to the world through our work, and to leverage our potential for God's glory. I had the privilege of meeting Courtney earlier this summer and to attend an event hosted by Women in Work at the annual Southern Baptist Convention meeting in June. I left this event with a renewed understanding of my own work within the kingdom of God and continue to be personally inspired by Women in Work through their blog, podcast, and social media pages. In addition to serving as the president of Women in Work, Courtney is also a co-host of the Women in Work podcast. She holds a BA in Religious Studies from the University of Mobile and an MA in Biblical Counseling from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Her favorite passage of scripture is Romans 11:36, which states, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Courtney is passionate about seeing Jesus Christ honored, especially by women as they steward their gifts and leverage their unique potential for his glory. She's been married to her husband, Brent, for 15 years. They have three wonderful kiddos and live in El Paso, Texas, where Brent pastors Life Church. I am so excited to share our conversation with you today. Let's chat with Courtney about women in a theology of work. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. First, thanks so much for having me on, Abigail. It's just um, great to connect and um, met you in person this summer, and I'm just happy to get to chat with you a little bit more. Well, I'm Courtney, and I am from Alabama, born and raised in Alabama, lived in the South my whole life until now. I actually live now in El Paso, Texas with my husband and my three kids. He is the pastor of our church. Um, but we have lived um, in a lot of places before I married Brent. Um, after college, I was actually um, a missionary for two years in Costa Rica, and so went that. with yeah, I went with the uh, International Mission Board. I was part of the Journeyman program, if you know about that. Mm-hmm. So learned Spanish uh, at that time, and we worked with university students and taught English as a second language, and you know shared the gospel um, through that ministry mm-hmm. and. You know, that was a while ago, and I never imagined that the Lord would, like, bring that Spanish back around. And so now that we live in El Paso, it's so fun because it's just like, oh, I have this language in my back pocket now, and I can, I mean, if I go to the grocery store, I'm hearing Spanish. You hear Spanish quite a bit here. So anyway, thankful for that experience. Um, We've lived here for about two years, but uh, before that, we met in Kentucky in seminary. We, um, his first full-time ministry position was in Tennessee, where he's from. Um, well, he's from the state of Tennessee, but we um, lived in Tennessee for a while, and then Mississippi, and so we've lived in the southeast now. We're out here in the west, which has been fabulous. Um, my kids are ages 10, 7, and 3, and um, two boys and a baby girl, and um, like you mentioned in my bio, I'm just the founder and president of Women in Work, and so we've got a ton going on with church and family and life and ministry and um, grateful to know the Lord and grateful to be His and grateful to serve Him. Absolutely. Well, what is Women in Work and when did you first launch? 
Yeah, so Women in Work, we uh, launched in 2018. We are an organization that exists to see women confidently step into their God-given calling and view their work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. And so I kind of use those words work and calling interchangeably. It's just whatever the Lord has called you to, whether uh, Mm -hmm. that is, you know, we kind of put this divide up of sacred and secular, but really all of it is done unto the Lord can be useful for Him and His kingdom. And so um, I really believe all work, all all that we do in this life can matter to what he's doing in the world. So we inspire women through conversation and biblical content to honor God, to image him to the world through their work, and to leverage their potential for his glory. And so he's given us potential. He's put um, potential within us. And so I really have a passion. I want women to really press into to basically not waste what he's given us, to really steward well the skills, intellect, um, craftiness, whatever he gave you. I, I want to see these women press into it for his name and not their own. So there's a couple of ways that we are uh, seeking to live out that vision and mission. We I'll just run through these real fast, um, Abigail. We have a podcast that I co-host with Missy Branch. Um, we are interviewing women, talking to women in all kind of work and hearing how they integrate their faith into that work and how they're making an internal difference in the kingdom of God. So we have chatted with, it has ranged from just a real estate agent to a CIA, CIA agent, right? Um, professional soccer player. We have chatted coming up this fall. We're going to be chatting with um, Christian Smucker, who is the entrepreneur, um, founder of Daily Grace Company. Um, we're going to be talking to a lawyer. We're going to be talking to an artist. So we've got um, we've got Jen Wilkin coming to give us some good teaching from the Bible on work. So super excited about this fall podcast. We also do a book club where we lead women toward books um, with just sound content in the areas of women calling theology of work. Um, and then at the end of the reading schedule, we host the author in a live Q&A on Facebook, which is a ton of fun. We have a blog series that we Similar to the podcast, we interview women um, and uh, hear about how they're what they're doing, their work, how it's um, how they're excelling at their work to the glory of God. And what what I love about this aspect is that our community can actually nominate um, someone that they know, um, which means we've just received nominations from people all over with doing things we would have never even known about. So it's just been so much fun. Uh, Lastly, we we have an event every year. We've hosted three events um, at the Southern Baptist Convention, um, a time when we just gather in person with like-minded women to be encouraged um, in the area of our calling. And so we're not a Southern Baptist entity, nor are we even trying to only reach Southern Baptist women. Um, It just, we all kind of came out of of the Southern Baptist Convention, um, Southern Baptist churches. And so we... um, found that was a good place to uh, to reach women at the convention every year. So how did you get started with this ministry or what inspired the idea? Okay, yeah. So two things, really. One was just my own uh, personal vocational journey, right? Just my own, just like wrestlings that I was walking through, and I can tell you all about that. And then the other aspect was just seeing the need for something like this from other women, talking to other women who are kind of feeling uh, the same as I was. And so um, just to tell you a little bit about my background, I never liked the idea of work. <laughs> it's it's ironic. <laughs> I, I I never liked work, even though, I mean, I come from a lineage of my grandmother, my great aunts. These women are hard workers. I mean, they left yeah. us a legacy of 
a strong work ethic. Um, but I have truthfully just always been a procrastinator. I love really not doing <laughs> anything. I love drinking coffee yeah. and just chatting with friends and uh, chilling by the beach. Um, so, and on top of that, I actually never really even had aspirations for a career. So this has all just been a complete 180 of what the Lord, honestly, how he's just transformed my whole view of, of work. I felt called to ministry when I was in high school. Um, I became a Christian at the age of nine. Um, and then in high school, I had a really amazing youth pastor who his faith was so contagious. And he just, his his walk with the Lord and um, his spirit just really I don't know, drew me to want to know the Lord more. And so as I get to know the Lord more um, in high school, I felt called to ministry. And as a as a female, though, I don't know about you, um, I really did not have a ton of role models. I didn't know what that might look like for me other than uh, children's ministry or leading a women's ministry. Like the, all the women I saw doing ministry, it just didn't feel like that was for me. I never imagined myself being on staff at a church, none of those things. And I, you know, in high school, I didn't even know what my spiritual gifts were. So I just really had no vision for how the Lord might use me. And um, I, I just didn't know. And so um, I went to a, a Southern Baptist College, the University of Mobile. And uh, because I didn't have much of a vision, the only other option I knew of was to just marry someone in ministry, right? I mean, that was kind of my thing. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be on staff at a church. Um, I So my, I just set my heart on marrying a pastor, marrying someone in ministry, serving with him in ministry, coming alongside him, supporting him in his ministry is what, you know, the language everyone used. Um, and, you know, that's actually what happened. I met my husband in seminary and before... Um, before I had kids, I really could serve with him in ministry. He had taken some youth ministry roles and, uh, we, you know, there was time enough to, to meet with the girls in the youth group and really disciple them and, and hang with them. So I was using my gifts. I was enjoying that. Um, and so, but there came a time that once I had kids, schedules just got really busy, right? Schedules got busy and I didn't, um, it, it, I wasn't able to really do ministry with him like I had in the past. And plus his roles had changed. He was no longer in youth ministry. He was doing um, adult ministry. And this was really now his job. You know, this is what he did at work. And I wasn't really involved in it at all. And so through that, um, I just began to become really aware that there were gifts within me I just was not utilizing Right. Um, and along those lines, I was really in the framework of believing that the pinnacle of being a godly woman, right, was marriage and motherhood. I mean, those were my lanes. That was that was that was me right there. Um, and even though God had called me to ministry long before I was even married, right? Um, and because I really had no other vision for how I would serve the Lord, I had kind of wrapped my entire call and almost identity into the fact that I was a wife and a mother. Does this make sense? So, and, and mm -hmm. I really did not believe there was very much I could bring to the table. It's sad to even say this, Abigail, but I really didn't believe there was that much I could bring to the table apart from my husband's ministry or really outside of what God had called him to do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah. you know, at a certain point, it just, I'm realizing this is not, healthy. <laughs> this is not healthy, right? Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible does, is God calling um, for a wife to hide her gifts 
or, you know, view them as less valuable than our husbands. But I'm thinking of like Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And I mean, that's just not a command just to husbands, right? This is for all believers. And so, but I had really wrapped my whole ministry, my idea of how God would use me tucked underneath his ministry. And, um, and then this was even at a point, it's, it's so weird now that I think about it because this was, I mean, I had a master's at this point from um, a seminary. And so even though I had an education and was like fully equipped and qualified to serve, I still had this, um, I don't know. I, I just couldn't see myself doing anything apart from him so much to the point of, um, I remember a friend, we lived in a city where um, someone was going to start a new a new private school. And um, this this friend of mine said, well, you know, why don't you consider being on the board for this school? And I immediately, my first thought was, oh, I can't do that. My husband, like, I have to be with him, you know. And now I think, oh, my goodness, God could have used me on that board, you know. But somehow I had, I was in this kind of filter of I'm only going to be used with him in ministry. Um as, as part of my marital status, which I think is is really sad, especially when you think about single women and Jesus himself mm-hmm. was not even married. So anyway, I just started wrestling, like, what am I doing with my life? I'm not utilizing my gifts. I'm not even really stewarding my education well. Um, so I just started writing. I started a small blog and um, using my mind to write. Hopefully that would just serve some readers. And I was feeling like, okay, I'm getting some of this out. And I just continued to do that, writing for some publications and some online spots. And I think the biggest turning point for me um, in just my own personal journey of vocation, the church um, that we left from um, in Mississippi previously to living in El Paso hired me on contract to come on and write, write for them, write whatever copy they needed. It wasn't even um, Christian per se. Some of it was just copy for social media or just information for the website. Um, And then I did move into writing some discipleship curriculum for them. But that was such an eye opener for me because I was able to work on a team, be a part of the communications team and saw kind of the ins and out of professionalism, what, how, Mm -hmm. what these people were bringing to the table. And they was so inspiring to see them utilize their gifts within the church. And so that was a point in time where I, I began to realize, oh my goodness, maybe God could use me in ways I have not even like thought of. I'd never even imagined, um, and especially having a job outside of the home, right? And so um, it was just this inward tension of like, what is God doing in me? How can he use me in the world in ways that I never dreamed of? And then as I began to talk with other women, I realized that a lot of these women felt this same tension. You know, they want to be utilized in their home with their family. They want to be faithful there, but then they also have this stirring within them to honor God in other areas of their lives, even vocationally. And so I began to look around and think, you know, there are tons of Bible studies for women. There are tons of resources just for mothers. Um, But there, I at least couldn't find many resources on work and vocation specifically designed for women. And so um, you either had some women who were already just out there and quote the secular world doing their thing, teachers, nurses, realtors all of and and they're they're doing their thing and they're not really thinking about how God plays into their work or you have this other group of women who were doing quote sacred things ministry jobs domestic life all of these things and and they're not seeing how work outside of the home could be honoring to the Lord do you know what I mean so I really wanted to bridge that gap provide women with a more God-centered view of work 
um, that's mainly about him and um, that no matter where you're serving, your faith and your work can be integrated. And uh, our big word at Women in Work is inspire. We really want to inspire women to take steps of faith forward into how God is leading them. Um, and we want to give them examples and representat- representatives of other women doing possibly, you know, maybe they could see themselves in, in what someone else is doing. So, yeah, well, I was so encouraged to find women in work because I think I've wrestled with that tension between um, my husband and I have dated since we were very young and in high school. And so throughout college and even after college, it was always Caleb and Abby, Caleb and Abby. And I consider that such an honor to be considered sure. we are one. And I love being my husband's wife. And I love that that is a primary role of mine. Um, but I've also kind of wrestled with, well, I didn't give up my identity when I got married. So how do I maintain that identity and my own calling in in the kingdom of God and honoring the Lord while I am a wife as well, and also honoring him through my own work? And so I appreciate that you are filling that gap and providing a resource that touches on that relationship for all women, whether they are single, married, widowed. I just appreciate your work that you are doing. But let's talk about a theology of work because you've hinted at a few things that I'm excited to dig into and unpack. So Women in Work affirms the following in your statement of faith. You say, we believe men and women are absolutely equal in essence, dignity, and value, but are distinct by divine design. Can you explain briefly what you mean by this statement and how this divine design relates to women and their work both inside and outside of the home? Right. Yeah. So um, one of our values, we are complementarian. Um, we believe that just what you just read, that men and women are created equal. We have distinct roles, especially as it relates to leadership in the home and the church. And so I don't know about you, Abigail, but growing up, I always knew this was biblical. Um, I t- it seemed like the conversation always tended to lean toward the differences between men and women and not their equality. I don't know about you. That always felt more emphasized, even though they, you know, when, when people would talk about this, when leaders would talk about it, um, you know, it was always stated, oh yeah, men and women are equal, but, but, and it, and so you always felt this, um, almost, I hate to say lip service, but it did feel almost like lip service that yes, we're equal, but there's always this hesitation of you can't do this as a woman. You can't be a pastor. You can't, um, you know, lead your home, which again, I fully affirm these as biblical things, but I think learning about work, um, really, as I started studying the scripture, I'm going to talk about this in Genesis here. I began to see that actually the equality of men and women is actually a really beautiful um, piece of the puzzle here that was very freeing to me when I began to mm-hmm. grasp the value of women. Um, subtly, I think I had begun to believe just based off of years and years of hearing equal but kind of that whole thing I just mentioned there, I think subtly I began to believe that mm, I am actually a little bit less than men, you know, the, that's who you see in leadership. You see the, 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 the man pastoring and preaching and giving God's word. And I'm receiving that and I'm willingly and humbly learning from these um, qualified men. And so somewhere along the way though, I, I really internally, I, I wouldn't have said it out loud. I would not have phrased it that way, but internally it did feel like I'm a little bit less than, you know, men. Mm-hmm. And so when, um, 
you know, I mean, I can't put that on anyone else. I, that's just my own personal experience. But when you go back in the garden, um, back in Genesis, um, we see, you know, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them two of a kind equals, right? God had give, given Adam the task of categorizing and naming all the animals. And all that while, think about this, he found none that were like him, right? He's categorizing all the the cats, all the, you know, all these different animals, right? Um, and, and the Bible says that, uh, this is Genesis 2, 18 and verse 20, it both times uses this phrase that none were suitable for him or corresponding mm-hmm. to him. There was none like him. And so mm-hmm. finally, you know, the Lord puts Adam into a sleep and um, when he wakes up and, and he's presented with Eve, um, he says this in Genesis 2, 23, this one at last I kind of love that. It's like he's been waiting. He's seen all these animals. And finally, oh my goodness, finally, at last, this one is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This this she will be called woman for she was taken from man. And so I love that he's recognizing, wow, finally, here is someone suitable for me, corresponding to me, a partner for me, someone who is like me. And so a lot of times I feel like in culture, we hear so much about the differences between men and women. We, I feel like we kind of major on the distinctions, um, which is necessary. But there's such a beauty in realizing that our brothers in the faith um, are number one, our brothers, but but we we are equal in value and worth. And Adam says that from mm-hmm. the very beginning. And even God makes the point to show that they are equal. He says in verse 26, you know, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And he's talking about mankind there. And then he changes that uh, pronoun to plural. They will rule the fish of the sea. So he's, he's you know, he's giving that um, both the man and the woman are equal in, he's giving them that dominion. So in verse 27, God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. And then he changes it again. He created them, male and female. So he's equating the two. Verse 28, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So we see God showing their equality right from the beginning. And I think that to me is such a beautiful, freeing, empowering thing for women. And I kind of think that when, like I mentioned, going through this kind of journey of my own vocationally, when I picked up on that right here in, right in the beginning with uh, the creation mandate, which we can talk more in depth about, um, that again was, was very liberating to me because there are no stipulations in the workplace for I mean, there's always authority in the workplace. You are, you're always going to have a boss, you know, but it's not based on gender. It's based on competence. And so for me, that was really liberating. It's like, oh, wow. I think, I think the reason it felt so liberating, Abigail, is because there was this void of vision for women in leadership. I think the lack of saying, okay, mm-hmm. here's what women cannot do. The lack of saying, here's what they can do when I learned this about the creation mandate and like, oh my goodness, women can glorify God in their actual work. Here is a way, here's a whole avenue that God has established from the beginning for women to honor him. And to me, I just decided that gets me really fired up. Like I really, really love thinking about, oh my goodness, there, (laughs) there is no limit to how I can glorify God in the skills that he himself gave me, right? This is not something I'm working up on my own. This is he put this in me and he wants me to turn it back around and use it for him. So that's very, um, I just love thinking about that. Um, And then of course, if you go to the New Testament, um, Galatians 3.28, you know, the context of Galatians is 
um, legalism and circumcision and all of that. Uh, we could go into it, but in verse 28, you know, there's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. First Peter 3, 7 talks about how um, husbands and wives, um, she is a co-heir of the grace of life. So we see that these that were equal. Of course, on the flip side, there are distinctions, right? Um, the Bible talks about this, that the husband is to lead the home and the church. And we read about this in Ephesians 5. And so I think that as it relates to work, I mean, I kind of just mentioned this, how it relates to work, but um, you see women are called to work from the very beginning, um, right there in Genesis. And I even think about Proverbs 31, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Abigail, but I always seem to only notice the verses in there that talk about her providing for her family. Mm -hmm. I always majored on those. I don't know if that was what was emphasized to me. But then when I began to think about vocation, I began to read that again and say, oh my goodness, no, she's not just rising and providing food for her household, but she's also evaluating a field and buying it. And she's planting yeah. a vineyard and she's turning a profit from that. And she's making garments and yeah, selling them. And so I just think that um, there's a lot of freedom when it comes to to work for women. And um, I, I, I kind of love that. You mentioned a moment ago the creation mandate. Can you explain what the creation mandate is and where we find the creation mandate? Sure. Yeah. Right there in um, Genesis one twenty eight. like I said, God creates Adam and Eve and gives them the task of, it's so interesting, Abigail, because you know, this was before the fall. If you think about what Adam and Eve, how much they would have enjoyed the Garden of Eden. I mean, it was paradise. And so I yeah. think, you know, when I think of paradise, my idea of paradise is laying next to the ocean and I'm <laughs> sipping on something and just relaxing, basically. Yep. But it's really interesting to think that in paradise, you know, um, God actually assigns them work to do in pre-fall, you know, before the fall. And so we tend to shy away from thinking about that because in our mind, work is really viewed as a chore, a necessary evil almost. We have to slug through it to, you know, earn a paycheck if that's why we're working or um, to put gas in the car or whatever. Um, so we don't think about work existing in paradise, um, but it did. And we see that even in Genesis 2, God himself says that he is a worker. Um, I'll just read this verse and then we'll move to the creation mandate. But Genesis 2, 2 says that on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work. So we see God himself is a worker. And now he's calling Adam and Eve to, to be workers as he is. And so in Genesis 1, 28, um, it says that God blessed them. I read this a minute ago. And God said to them to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So obviously the first task they have is to populate the earth. Eve's name meant mother of all the living. And I love how um, I've heard Jen Wilkin talk about this, how she kind of correlates this to uh, the Great Commission of how now it's not just that women are, I mean, thank God we can have babies. <laughs> this is a blessing, right? <laughs> but you also move into the idea of the new birth, right? You're, mm -hmm. you're making disciples. Um, so you don't have to be married to fulfill the Great Commission or to do what God has called you to do. Um, single women are fully able and capable um, and equipped to do that. Um, but we see as God himself has given authority um, over the earth, um, he's given that now to Adam and Eve, and they become his representatives on the earth, and they're given dominion over everything. And he tells them to subdue the earth. And so when I think of that word subdue, I think 
Um, it means to overcome, to, to bring under control, to develop, to cultivate, to maintain. And so, I mean, I'm not a big camper. My husband just bought an RV, okay? <laughs> and I'm yes. really trying to get into it. But I mean, some people, some of your listeners, maybe, maybe they love tent camping. I don't know. But when you think about going out into the woods, and I'm thinking of Adam and Eve in a garden, in a space that is just the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so God is calling them to take the raw materials of the earth. Okay, imagine the dirt of the garden, the wood, the timber <laughs> from the trees, yeah. the vegetation, all of these things. He's calling them to make this a livable working society from scratch. And it's crazy to think about mm-hmm. that, that you're starting with nothing. And, and God's like, okay, you know, have some babies, fill this place up and go build some cities, right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what he's telling them to do. And I love what Tim Keller, he says about this, that what begins in a garden will one day end in a city. Um, mm-hmm. We look at Revelations 21. We've got the New Jerusalem, the um, holy city of God coming down and all of its brilliance, right? And so it begins very simple and moves to complexity. And so think about if you've been to New York City, the complexity of what that city involves compared to maybe, say, like a log cabin in the Smoky Mountains, right? So when you think of a city, you're thinking cultivation, society, people, processes, systems, institutions, business, economy, life, hustle, bustle, motion, noise, right? It's very different from tent camping out in the woods where you can hear the birds singing, right? (laughs) And so I love to think that all of this from the beginning, that God has this very broad picture of what he's doing and that's all going somewhere, right? That Mm -hmm. what God has started, he is carrying it on until he returns. Um, And because of this, there is really no job that is more important than the next because every single aspect plays a role in this grand design that he is accomplishing. Um, And so we are all a part of this bigger picture. I think a lot of times we tend to think of, oh, what is God doing in his kingdom? He's um, saving people. He's sanctifying people. He's moving us along in the process of discipleship, which is absolutely all true. But there's also this larger kind of 30,000 foot up scale picture here, a perspective of like, it's not just what's going on in our hearts spiritually. It's like, what is he actually doing on the globe, right? He is pulling all of this somewhere. And um, there's a book called God at Work by Gene Veith Jr. And I think this is the most beautiful example. Um, Let me just read you this quote. It says, um, when I go into a restaurant, the waitress, okay, think about all these people, right? He's in a restaurant. When I go into a restaurant, the waitress who brings me my meal, the cook in the back who prepared it, the delivery men, the wholesalers, the workers in the food processing factories, the butchers, the farmers, the ranchers, everyone else in the economic food chain, they are all being used by God to answer this prayer. Give me this day my daily bread. Mm -hmm. To me, that is the most beautiful thing. And I think that all work is, it can be a part of this, that women can be a part of this. Um, So there's no vocation that you know, is more, I guess, important than the next. And I thought about this um, back when the pandemic started. And do you remember the um, shortage on toilet paper? Oh, yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't, I I feel like I have never been more thankful for truck drivers, right? Yeah. You, You typically don't think, you know, when you go to the store and you buy whatever you need, I mean, how often are you thinking, wow, the truck driver who delivered this, thank you, God, for that person. I mean, 
but that that was just one example of of the Lord kind of being like, no, look, this person is even important in what I am doing on a global scale. Um, and so I just think about Colossians 3, 23 and 24, that whatever you do, do your work hardly is for the Lord and not for people, knowing that it is from the Lord that you will receive. So all of it actually says in that verse, it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. So all of these things, both secure, uh, sacred and secular, all of it can be part of what he is doing and building um, toward the, the, the end there of um, the New Jerusalem coming down. So as you've mentioned a couple times, you have said that the mission of women in work is to honor God and to image him in the world, leveraging women's potential for his glory. What might this practically look like for women listening to this podcast episode? How can we as women bring glory to the Lord through our work? Right. I think there are a million ways we can give glory to God through our work. Um, Part of what I really love to think about when I think about this, imaging God through our work is thinking about who he is, um, his character, his attributes. And, um, you know, there are some attributes of God. They, 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 there's two categories they kind of put them in, the communicable and the incommunicable. Incommunicable. Mm-hmm. That's hard to say. So some are very easily, um, we can reflect those very easily. Others not, like his omniscience. There's no way we're ever going to be all-knowing. There's no way we're going to be omnipresent, right? So those are the things that would be incommunicable. But these other attributes of him, we get to share in, right? And so I think our work can actually, through our work, we can image him, these 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 attributes of him. And so um, a former pastor of mine talked about this, where I thought this was, this always stuck in my mind back from when I was even in college. He talked about, he made us picture a, a diamond and, you know, a diamond is cut in such a way that shows its brilliance, right? You think about the cuts of, of, of your, even my wedding ring. I can look at it now and I can see these sparkles happening because of the different cuts of the diamond. And if you go to a jeweler, when you go in the jewelry store, they will have these rings or necklaces, um, diamonds laid on the, the velvety black um, cloth, right? And they're, they're showing, they're, they're wanting to contrast the brilliance of this diamond with this dark background. And so I think that each, just as each cut of that diamond shows a brilliance, I think the Lord's attributes and his character are kind of like that. He is one, but he has all of these beautiful, brilliant qualities about him, whether it's his holiness, his compassion, his, his, um, his love, all of these things, right? Um, he's, his his wisdom, he is just, that he's just, that he's righteous, um, that he is a God of order, all of these things. So what I think is so fun is to learn about who he is, his character, his heart. And then as we think about what am I doing today? What, what's on my plate today? How is what, what is on my calendar today? How can I reflect an aspect of who he is, right? Just one aspect. Mm -hmm. And so I'll jump in and talk about motherhood. Um, To me, motherhood is such a beautiful way women can reflect who the Lord is. If you think about how much serving is involved in motherhood, how much Mm -hmm. sacrifice is involved in caring for little ones, and it's usually service and sacrifice with little recognition, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, You are pouring yourself out and you are giving it all you got all day long with these little ones. 
Um, and, and there's not much in return. And so to me, there is nothing that looks more like Jesus. I, I say that that's, a, that's an exaggeration, but <laughs> think about, you know, he picked up a towel and he washed his disciples feet. Think about mm-hmm. that. I mean, he wasn't getting anything back. He just humbled himself mm-hmm. and for service of them, pouring a cup of cold water or milk or juice in Jesus name. Um, and he says, you know what, to the least that you did it to them, you've, you've done it to me. And just the fact of that, the sacrifice, you're laying down your desires to love and serve the needs of others. I mean, that is what Jesus did. I mean, the sacrifice of his life, right? And so I think motherhood can really show these qualities. Um, Homemaking is another huge one. You are really bringing order out of chaos. (laughs) You are managing, you are stewarding the resources in your home to the best of your use. Um, Okay, so I don't know. I'm going to go through maybe a couple of different vocations. Is this cool with you? Okay, yeah, And talk about how how women can just to give them an idea of, of who God is and how they can reflect him through these various things. So um, mm-hmm. maybe some of your listeners are in marketing and communications, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea to me of, of marketing, you know, if you are marketing a product and you are trying to sell that to an audience, most of the time you aren't just going to say, okay, here's this amazing product. You're going to tell a story, right? You're going to tell mm-hmm. a story and try to get this person to envision this product in their life. And I think about the aspect of who God is, that there is no better storyteller. The story of redemption, right, um, is is what all good stories are made of. Um, creation, fall, redemption, consummation at the end. Even if you watch movies, this is the arc of a story. And so marketing, you can totally emulate the storytelling, our storytelling God. Um, communications, the fact that God is a communicator. He has communicated to us through a book with words. Mm-hmm. Um, and that his son, Jesus, in John chapter one is called the word, right? And mm-hmm. so I think communicate, I even get geeked out about, because I like to write, <laughs> I even get geeked out about like grammar and how grammar, the excellence of good punctuation really points to even the excellence of God, right? And when you mm-hmm. communicate something well, and not just well, but truthfully, I mean, mm-hmm. God is is truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so he is truth. And so to communicate truthfully even reflects him. So that's just all communications, right? If you think about women, um, and we're going to interview, like I said, a lawyer um, this this fall season on our podcast, but God defends the helpless and the vulnerable. Think about that. He is the defender. He's also on the flip side, the prosecutor. He brings the justice to guilt. Uh, he brings justice to the guilty. He's also the judge. He is the righteous and just judge. And so the courtroom is just like all God. <laughs> and then I think about math and accounting. Guys, I mean, Abigail, I have children and math facts are like one of these things. Even though you <laughs> learn the multiplication facts in third grade, my fifth grader, we're still rehearsing these things, right? You got to know these multiplication facts, right? And so the, these facts are just that. They are facts. Mm-hmm. And I love to think about the, the truth that facts don't change. God doesn't change. I mean, the truth of math facts shows the immutability of God, that he Mm -hmm. is rock solid, steady, unchanging in his character. Not Mm -hmm. only that, but there is an order and a logic to math, a precision. I mean, you have to be pretty precise. If you make one little error, the whole thing's wrong, right? Um, But I feel like that shows his mind, the ordered logical mind of Christ, that there is no chaos. There's not not one little thing off in his mind, right? and then I think this is just really funny. I mean, he has a whole book that he wrote called Numbers in the Bible, which is hilarious yeah. to me. <laughs> anyway. 
And then if you think about if there are any women listening right now who are in the medical field or the sciences, just even learning the human body, I mean, you are really Mm -hmm. learning the ins and outs of God's genius scientific mind to even conceive of creating such a complex structure, not to mention um, caring for your patients, actually caring for them, having a bedside manner that shows the heart of God, um, your concern for the sick, um, and the fact that he is called the great physician, right? Um, thinking about stewarding your body, all of these things are showing that all of this is from him and through him and to him. Art, my goodness, I love thinking about how artists display the fact that our God is a creator, right? Mm-hmm. He is a, he created colors. He created textures and um, watercolor versus oil paints. And, you know, I mean, I just, I feel like graphic designers and um, these people who use this creative gene, I mean, I just, uh, it makes me so happy to see them doing what God made them to do because it just shows who he is. And then I feel like there are so many women who are teachers, right? Who are just out there plugging away in their classrooms. And I mean, if you think about what Jesus did in his ministry, those three years, I mean, it mostly consisted of him teaching. He was a teacher. Yeah. I mean, they called him rabbi and his followers were disciples, right? Um, And so you're really pouring your life and your content of your lessons out to your students. You're really demonstrating the love of Jesus, um, just like he did and the sacrifice. And so those are, that's kind of what I think about. I just think about how women in whatever they're doing, just start imagining wait a minute, what are, what are some of the underlying features of what I'm doing? And, and, and what does this look like in terms of who he is? How, do, how can this point back to the character and some attribute of who he is? I appreciate that you broke down each different vocation because as women are listening, I'm sure that there's going to be women who are in each of those vocations. And that I can see how affirming hearing what you have just said is going to be as they are potentially even driving to work as they're listening. So I appreciate that. I hope you will leave encouraged and inspired after listening to this first half of my conversation with Courtney. I think Courtney and I could have continued our conversation for hours if time would have allowed. Fortunately, though, we packed so much content into our brief one-hour conversation that our time with Courtney, her wisdom, and her practical experience isn't over just yet. Next week in Women and a Theology of Work Part 2, we will consider further the topic of work and practical questions in light of the foundational theology of work we unpacked this week. I hope you will join us at the same time, same place next week to consider questions like, how should we as women measure the value of our work inside and outside of the home? What is the balance between pursuing a job that is in line with our personal gifting but may not provide a significant financial return? Or what do I do if I am struggling to maintain my role within the home while also working outside of the home? I promise Courtney's answers to these questions are just as helpful and encouraging as her answers have been in this week's part one episode. If a resource mentioned on today's podcast episode caught your attention, I will have all resources listed and linked on my website, abigailoneal.com. You can find today's show notes, recommended resources, and notable quotations under the About Her podcast tab. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Of course, it is my desire to see these discussions of theology and scripture passed on in order that more and more women may feel equipped and encouraged 
to study and to apply God's word in their daily lives. I would love it if you would share this episode or the About Her podcast in general with the women in your life. If you enjoyed this episode and have a moment or two to spare, I would also so appreciate it if you left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platform. This is one of the easiest and most effective ways through which you can help spread the word about the podcast. I can't wait to chat more about God and his word next week. Have a great week.